0: Are you obsessed with chess, but also kind of fun at parties?
1: Do you keep your opening prep on your bedside table right next to your feelings journal?
0: Welcome to the Chess Feels podcast, the only chess podcast dedicated to the social and psychological aspects of this game we know and love.
1: And hate. Tune in every week to join me, professional chess teacher and amateur feelings haver JJ Lang.
0: And me, professional therapist and amateur checkmate finder Julia Rios
1: as we dive into our shared love for the game and attempt to answer the most burning question for every chess obsessive. Why are Are we like this? this? Yeah. podcast
0: yeah (laughs) how do we start the podcast again it's been so long i can't remember
1: the podcast never stopped it's like hell's kitchen it's like on the continuation of just podcast
0: okay everybody i remembered welcome to a very very special episode this episode is so special
1: how special is she wait
0: (laughs) so special that we've been planning it when did we record the last one of these?
1: I don't know, like eight months?
0: We've been planning this for eight months, so it's a little premature.
1: Oh, it's going there, too.
0: (laughs) Welcome to part two of our most legendary episode of all time. Convince me. Convince (laughs) me. It's fine. We'll overlap it again. Convince Convince me. me. Aren't you guys excited?
1: They are. We've gotten almost 100 responses to our one tweet saying, what is your absolute most controversial but also brave chess opinion?
0: beautiful are you excited jj i'm excited
1: i really am a lot of people did not disappoint but then a lot of people also just talked about openings
0: i think what makes this feel so exciting is that i haven't been on twitter a ton this week and i actually haven't looked through all the responses so you are going to be getting my very authentic
1: raw dogging
0: raw dog reaction to the lunacy you better have put everything though
1: the only one I missed was from the person who blocked the podcast afterwards.
0: <laughs> I love when the trash takes itself out. All right, let's dive in.
1: Okay, so let's actually start there with a tweet from friend of the pod, chess one
0: Oh, I love this. Great. Martin kicks us off on this beautiful winter morning, letting us know, I don't understand the mittens thing.
1: So for those of you listening we're coming to you from the past, towards the tail end of what I believe is being called the Mittens Boom.
0: Oh no, don't say that. That's so cringe.
1: Uh, so I guess a lot of people liked playing the, the cat that was just Stockfish.
0: Yeah. I mean, the chess speaks for itself. The numbers don't lie. Apparently it is the most people who have ever been using chess.com because of this robot cat. And there's been so much commentary A lot of people essentially say, I don't understand why this is so popular. I don't understand how this is the thing that kind of exploded chess meme culture. I actually think that this makes a lot of sense. Yes, me too. Okay, (laughs) so let's try to convince Martin and maybe we approach this differently. But the thing that I have wanted to reply on Twitter a bunch and have just been too lazy, to me, part of what is making Mittens so popular can almost be encapsulated by lol cats. It reminds me of Can I Has Cheeseburger? People just like cats on the internet. The idea of a chess genius villain who's also a sweet little cat named Mittens, it's irresistible. I understand why this appeals to the masses. Put a cat on the internet and people are going to click on it.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. to me, it makes the most sense of most anything chess.com has done marketing-wise. And I'm very happy to say that it's brilliant. And for people being like, this doesn't make sense. How is this the thing that came through? It's like it makes perfect sense. There's a cat on it.
0: Yeah, which doesn't make it super funny. Like, it doesn't tickle me in a way. I will say, lasted. though, the
1: only reason I've played that insepid Feline is because you were trying to make me play it.
0: <laughs> yeah but to me that was like the point of connection it was like just a way to kind of socialize with my friends right like okay let's do this thing together it wasn't necessarily something that i was sitting around doing on my own
1: so what you're saying is you didn't want to play mittens but if you had to hang out with your friends you might as well be playing mittens
0: yeah if i had to <laughs> if i had to stream with nate sack of shit Solemn. we might as well take down this idiotic cat i will say i do have an improvement to mittens there is something that i thought would have made it funnier
1: Like uh, a sailor's hat.
0: Oh, no. No accessories. Okay, Um, tell me. They made the ELO for Mittens 1. And I just didn't think that was very funny. I thought it would have been way funnier if Mittens ELO had been like 1,100 and Mittens had been tucked into the lineup of the cats.
1: Yeah. that would.
0: Because it kind of tipped you off. Like, oh, this is weird. It comes at the Mm -hmm. end. Mittens Mm -hmm. looks like a final boss. ELO 1. It's not even a real ELO making mitten's elo 1100 to me would have been fucking hilarious because people would have been actually pissed off like why can't i beat this cat in the middle i don't know
1: i'm completely sold oh that's I'm completely how i would have played it i'm completely sold or maybe toggling at strength so for some people got the oh, 1100 yeah. and some people got the 3000 and some people are like, i can't beat this fucking cat and then you have like random 1500s being like really
0: Oh like, my why gosh. Is wait, that's so struggling. funny. I wonder if there's even an algorithm that you could do where if the person that you're playing against is super strong and mm. it would like toggle. So it's almost like if you put it against another engine and you're playing like level 3000, then it rolls over and dies. So then you think, oh, it's actually not that strong. <laughs> I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. What a stupid no. idea.
1: This is brilliant. Anyways, no mittens, kill
0: it. Sorry, mittens. Peace out. <laughs>
1: Okay, a lot of people had opinions about castling. So starting with Nate Sack of Shit Solon, he says hashtag ban castling with a lowercase b and a capital c. A couple similar takes, similar but also different. Hawk Enthusiast at Shadow of Self says bring back vertical castling.
0: Can you explain that to me? I'm new here. I believe
1: at one point the rules of chess were written such that if the king hasn't moved and the rook hasn't moved, you move the king two squares over towards the rook and the rook around it. And that that would allow for a pawn to be promoted to a rook and then be castled. Because in that explanation, there is not a rule that said the rook had to be on its starting square of a1 or h1. Or a8 or h8.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard in my entire life.
1: Vertical castling.
0: Um. Okay, whatever. Next.
1: <laughs> uh. Uh, another podcast says you should be allowed to uncastle in chess and at first i was like no i don't like that but he changes my mind with if you have not moved your king or rook after castling
0: oh wait actually i really like that and that yeah. kind of fits with another comment that i did see where someone said we need more specialty rules
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's just
0: throw in uncastling who fucking cares
1: maybe uncastling though is a move that you could do on your opponent
0: Oh, you could uncastle them.
1: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it's your turn and it's only if their king and rook hasn't moved.
0: So I would just do that after they castle every time. That's that's the new perpetual draw.
1: You have to wait at least one turn and that would introduce this new element where after I castle, I might play rook e8 rook f8 so I can't be uncastled.
0: Okay. You've convinced me.
1: Okay. Perfect. We've solved chess.
0: We finally made chess slightly spicy. <laughs>
1: Okay. The Chess Lobster says that players should be able to play with piece odds for higher prizes. Nah. Now, I mean, okay, so I like this idea that in a chess tournament, there should be an equivalent of going berserk, where you can get more points, but you have to do something stupid. I like this general idea.
0: I don't like that. It's introducing too many elements for me. Now it feels more, it's almost like betting, it's like poker. Mm -hmm. No, I just want people to play chess and, like, just get the points the normal way. I'm not interested in this.
1: So you're saying that you don't want your opponent to be able to, like, yell double down and then the TD comes over with, like, three shots of whiskey.
0: I mean, I do at Matt's Chess Club on Thursday nights. (laughs) Not at my chess tournaments. Not really.
1: Okay. Well... Here's an interesting one from Patty Leoneza,
0: Yes. Oh, I've never agreed with anything more in my life. Sorry, go ahead. Why
1: don't you read this one out loud then?
0: Remove the touch move rule.
1: Do you agree with that just because you want to remove all rules?
0: <laughs> no, I agree with that because it's so hard for me to not touch. All I ever want to do is touch. I talked about it on another pod of ours, how even when I'm playing with my friends, all I want to do is touch the pieces, and I am being discriminated against for my neurodivergence, whereas I should be celebrated. There should be like an ADHD accommodation, you know, how you can get like a 504 or an IEP. You should be able to bring this to a chess tournament and be like, actually, I am allowed to touch. Why can't I'm- you be allowed to change your mind? Who cares if you touch the piece?
1: Okay, I love that, and I love this format. And I also, let's extend it all the way. If you have ADHD, you can get extra time on the clock.
0: <laughs> you should have less time on the clock.
1: But you can always bring more back if you need it. You get an extension. You have less time, but an extension. My only question for removing the touch move rule is is it your, that you can touch it, but what if you touch it, move it off the starting square?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then can you move it back? And then can you move it? Like I'm open to a touch move rule where it's like, you don't have to move the piece you touched if you grab it. But once you put it down somewhere.
0: Yeah, it, you should be able to pick the piece up, play with it. Touch it to another square, you can put it down, uh-huh. then realize you've blundered and put it back where it came from.
1: Even if you let go of it?
0: No, no, I mean, once you let go, now you've moved it, that's the mouse slip.
1: So it's stall touch move, not clock move, we're just removing the, you have to move the piece you touch.
0: Yeah, you know what, I think that we finally found a nice beautiful middle ground, even if it's unreasonable.
1: Can I ask you a question, though, about touching pieces? Since you seem to be our resident expert, I've played more games of chess, but apparently you've touched more pieces. Why don't you just touch or play or fiddle with one of the pieces that's already been captured?
0: I do that. I do hold those and tap those and touch those. But then once my attention shifts and I'm looking at the pieces on the board, I just want to touch so badly. I'm really working on it, guys. I swear. I really am. It's like a thing I actively practice.
1: How do you practice not touching pieces?
0: I'll show you later.
1: Okay. I think the best rule came from general anxiety. Deodorant should be mandatory at all over the board tournaments.
0: Yes. Convince me otherwise. Okay.
1: I'll play the villain.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Let's go.
1: I think this is similar to your ableism complaint from earlier. I think forcing people... Into unfamiliar, uncomfortable situations is a huge disadvantage for the disheveled among us. Like, what if it turns out one of these guys, and it is a guy, is allergic to deodorant or something, and they start having a reaction during the game? (laughs) I think that you're just putting people at an unfair disadvantage because they're used to stinking up. (laughs) <laughs> and they picked out this game because it's a safe space for them to be stinky.
0: Why does this have to be their safe space? Why can't they do that in the privacy of their own homes?
1: Believe me, most of the year they do.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, JJ, we have a serious problem, in which I have also flip-flopped. To the no side instantaneously, but with a different argument. Let's hear it. I I could really argue no, because I think for some people who really struggle with things like body odor, sometimes actually deodorant doesn't help. You're like masking, you're adding on a different smell to a very bad smell. And this is a deeper problem that needs to be addressed with overall long-term hygiene, maybe Mm. diet. There's too many factors. I'm not even convinced that deodorant could actually solve this problem.
1: Okay, you've convinced me, and now I flip flop back to a yes. Um, (laughs) Mandatory full-on spa treatments for all players before the tournament starts. I want everyone smelling like a cucumber melon.
0: (laughs) Mandatory showers. You have to somehow prove-
1: Group showers.
0: You have to let the TD watch- the night before, <laughs> there has to be a live stream. We need to see everyone stepping into the shower and using the products.
1: Oh, Julia, it's not the night before. It's five minutes before each game, and there's like a full body search <laughs> before to make sure that you don't have any beads.
0: We said no beads. Did we Did we agree to that?
1: <laughs> Bingo, bango, bongo. There should be no check rule. If you blunder your king, that's on you. And if you castle across the square where you would have been in check, you can lose your king off the song. <laughs>
0: Oh, I love this. I actually love this. Yeah, sudden death chess. You miss the check? That's it. Game over. You're dead. That's how real life works.
1: I don't know. I think there's something about seeing kids get so excited because they've captured the king too many times or it's like, no, this really does cheapen the game. That's just stupid. That's just not how chess works. So I can't even joke around it because I've had to spend too much time with children. Unlike Julia, who's never met a child. (laughs) But here's the version that I do love. Sometimes I'm doing fast tactics online, like puzzle rushes, and I click to make a move only to realize that I missed that I was in check. I should get that wrong.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If I was trying
1: to make a move before I realized I was in check, I should get that wrong.
0: Okay, yeah. I totally agree with that. 100% on board, convinced. But you said that you think that this idea of like a sudden death blunder checkmate is Mm -hmm. stupid. Mm-hmm. that's not how chess works
1: mm-hmm. i mean i think i think what makes it stupid is i guess sure if you want to have as an element of intrigue at high level chess tournaments that if they leave their king in check they can get taken and that is how like a world championship game could be lost okay cool is that that different <laughs> than how in the last world championship match they had no increment, so theoretically somebody could flag before move 40 maybe not on um, if that like suspense is exciting to you okay go for it but at lower levels, I think there is something to be said for having to actually work to win a game of chess, even if you're up a fuck ton of material, versus your opponent also sucks oh, at yeah. chess, so they're just leaving their <laughs> king in check, and you can win, even though you don't know how to mate with two rooks and a queen against a lone king.
0: Okay, yeah, I think that that is actually pretty convincing. I wonder if this could fit into something very specific, like a sudden death chess tournament. It's all blitz and shit can go wild
1: oh yeah yeah honestly now i'm coming around maybe like at the master level plus it should be sudden death (laughs) rules.
0: wait oh and then also jj that could be the tournament where you can double down and you can get the three shots and you can get more elo what would we call such a tournament
1: chess boxing
0: (laughs) no ew god did anyone comment about chess boxing
1: you better believe it
0: first of all jj's convinced me we're keeping checks sorry
1: and maybe what we should be doing at that double down tournament, if you leave your king in check, you have to take a shot.
0: <laughs> oh my God, I would play this.
1: <laughs> oh, here it is. Perfect. Um, yeah, I just agree with this from Rita Naze. chess boxing must be to the death Squid Game style. Okay, think of it like this if you have 250 people who want to go chess boxing, only one of them lives by the end of the week.
0: Uh, okay, how do we feel about chess boxing? Do we like yeah. it? Do we care? Are we interested? I
1: I didn't watch it because I barely watch other people play chess, especially Mm -hmm. Blitz online. And I also never watch people box. So it just kind of felt like two of my non-interests being put together. (laughs) Um, Apparently, I learned from No Joke Chris that this is a controversial opinion of mine. But I like when people are watching chess and excited about chess. And the more people watching and excited about chess, the better. So in that sense, if people are excited about chess boxing, okay, cool.
0: I kind of agree with you. Or if people like it and are excited, then that's a good thing. But chess boxing in and of itself has no appeal to me whatsoever. It just feels so gimmicky. And I don't know. So maybe it has some value if it increases excitement, but it definitely didn't it didn't do anything for me.
1: Well, to me, I think it's I agree that it's gimmicky. I think for me it's less that the gimmick itself makes it something. That I don't like, but it's more about, it brings out that angle of chess as a connection to violence or as war dominance, like we've talked about, that is just like massively unappealing to me. And I mean, especially, you know, you have fucking Andrew Tate, whose dad was a I am and who talks about chess as an analogy for boxing, as an analogy for misogyny. Um, is so just like, like all disgusting all the time. I'm not really interested in like centering the ways in which chess is like a mental fist fight or something like that. Right. Um, I'd be way more into some sorts of gimmicky chess things that just make good chess hard to play for reasons that have nothing to do with fighting. Whenever I try and like do something like play chess on my phone on an exercise bike or something, I find that I play much worse than I do under other adversarial circumstances, such as when I've been drinking. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's like the boxing is so superfluous to the real point, which is it's hard to play chess when your heart rate is elevated from like physical exercise. So why? I don't think we need people like punching each other in order to like make their chess worse and gimmicky and more exciting. Um, You can have chess sprinting, you can have chess zumba chess chess revolution there's a lot of things you can do that i think could have a similar sort of how is the physical activity going to impact their chess that isn't just like centering the way chess is like boxing
0: yeah but i mean people aren't interested in that because one wants to watch zumba whatever okay that.
1: but then there's cats let's make them all wear cat costumes
0: <laughs> yeah, what I do, kind of like. yeah or there should be cats in the room like walking around i would go to that tournament
1: yeah tournaments at a cat cafe i'm convinced
0: But seriously, I'm glad that you articulated that, JJ, because that is exactly what I was feeling and hadn't really verbalized for myself. Yeah, it just kind of is bringing out all the things that I already don't love about chess culture, and definitely that aspect of misogynistic ideologies. I'm just so uninterested in almost like forcing these two things together. That's a really good point. Like. There's actually really nothing that is clearly inherently making the integration of these two Mm. things obviously compatible or more interesting. Like you just took two separate things or like, let's do them at the same time. I don't know. I'm 100% not sold. Can't convince me.
1: I got it. Chess and hot dog eating contest.
0: (laughs) I would rather watch that for sure. Who wouldn't want to watch me eat, like, 17 hot dogs?
1: I would absolutely participate in that. Is that all you think you can do?
0: That is five times more than I think I can do. I know that if Michael ever listens to this, he'd be like, I would love to watch you eat two hot dogs, Julia. (laughs) You know what? I would just tag in Todd Chan, glizzy dog extraordinaire. So no on chess boxing.
1: Yes, on chess hot dogging.
0: (laughs) Great. (laughs) let's go
1: okay but we were talking also about this idea that well if something like chess boxing is getting people excited about chess then that's good but at no joke chris who um wait what does no joke do for lee chess he's in charge of what is it
0: yeah what is it
1: is it i think it's outreach
0: community organizing
1: yeah like
0: bringing more people So that's what I thought,
1: but I guess like a true community organizer nodding back to its leftist roots, he says, (laughs) I don't see any reason that a world with more people playing chess is better than a world where less people play chess. Hashtag don't grow the game.
0: First, I'm going to plagiarize. Why must I lose to this idiot? And immediately just respond to that with one word, which is fewer. Hashtag fewer the game. When I saw this, and immediately I... Did sort of deep down have the impulse to agree with it so please convince me help me remember all the reasons that i know that this is wrong <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually have a lot of questions here, and I'm not sure that I think it's fully wrong.
0: Now I immediately disagree with this.
1: See, you don't even need me.
0: It just came to me in a vision. Yeah, I do so strongly disagree with this, because without the quote-unquote grow the game, if the game stays small, then who has access to the game? Like, people with the most privilege, people with educations, people with money, men, uh... To me, it's like so important actually that this is way more accessible. And part of that accessibility is just exposure. I never would have started playing chess if it wasn't for the COVID boom. And ethically,
1: it's good that you play
0: chess. (laughs) It's good that I play chess. Ethically, it's good that I play chess because then we're friends. And ethically, it's important, JJ, that you and I have a friendship.
1: I agree with all of that. So, this is actually what I meant by saying I had some questions about. No joke, because if the claim is just that for any arbitrary group of people, ignoring the fact that historically, it's mostly been men mostly from places of privilege playing chess, if we ignore that and just say, I don't see why it's better that we have 20 million people playing chess worldwide instead of 2 million, then I'd say, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe I agree with that. Maybe it doesn't matter if it's the next big sport. Maybe it doesn't matter how many people can make careers off of chess playing, chess teaching, chess, et cetera. Because I think that would be one argument too is that just the more people, the more opportunities there are to like have a life and livelihood off of chess. And maybe a hobby should just be a hobby for a lot of people. Like I hear that as an argument. So my Mm -hmm. question for Chris was just going to be do you mean more people versus less people putting on hold who the people are? Because
0: fewer people.
1: No, he said less. (laughs) because if the argument is just at a certain point you're bringing in people for people's sake or at a certain point some of these booms might not be changing the demographics at all or even primarily reinforcing the demographics then okay Mm. and that could be that could be another question is and, and that's a hard one too you know like having you could double the amount of women who are interested in chess while proportionally bringing in a fuck ton more men than than women through that boom. But I still think having more exposure is just a good thing.
0: Yeah, I don't think it ever goes that way. Whenever you have a bottleneck, whenever there's limited access, who ends up in the in group, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Did oh,
1: completely, say completely. Yeah, so I, I was thinking that like the, the version of this I would almost agree with would be one where chess was a small exclusionary activity on the margins that was pretty much exclusively played by like women, minorities, queer people, etc. Um, and then but those
0: things never explode, those things never get a boom, like. Honestly, I feel like there's almost a societal distaste for things that women or minorities enjoy, and we call those things basic, Okay, and they fall down the opposite direction of the pipeline.
1: Slight disagree. The alternative is they get totally hijacked and commodified.
0: you're totally right that also happens
1: like but otherwise it is what you happens but I was going to say yeah a world where chess isn't popular but part of why it's not popular is because the people who are playing chess are cool as shit Mm -hmm. yeah okay that is better than just chess being mainstream or at least it's not worse but looking at the history of chess if chess is not popular who's going to be playing it it's not the people on the margins who are cool as shit
0: yeah for sure
1: I think we've solved that one
0: (laughs) here's a juicy one
1: From someone who definitely understood the assignment of what is your most (laughs) controversial chess opinion.
0: Yeah, like I actually did understand the assignment though, not sarcastically.
1: This guy, Neil Bruce. Hi, Neil. Welcome.
0: (laughs) Welcome to the Chess Fields podcast. (laughs) Neil
1: says, you don't need a human chess coach to get better at chess today. Also, I love that. A human chess coach.
0: As opposed to David from chess.com, who we all know and love.
1: Oh my God. We're going to have to censor his name.
0: pseudo guy. Yeah.
1: Also, because this, this is a quote that needed an also, he, this wasn't controversial yet. You don't need a human <laughs> chess coach. Also, over the next 30 years, human chess coaches will be phased out by technology just like telephone operators did in the 1930s.
0: Uh, the 1930s, what a decade. I'm really glad that he brought that up.
1: Do you think there were other reasons people were losing jobs in the 1930s?
0: <laughs> Nothing that comes to mind. First, can we debate, was this serious or was this a joke?
1: I think it's serious.
0: When I saw this, I actually couldn't tell if Neil was trying to be satirical. Get serious! Oh my god, it can't be! I okay, can tell
1: I- you, I, I'll I, I can give my best impression of why somebody would think this, but I do genuinely believe he's serious.
0: Okay, great. Do your impression. And then we'll talk about why this is probably not the most uh, accurate take.
1: Okay, that sounds great. But I would love to actually hear your snap reaction first.
0: Yeah, there's not one part of this tweet that I agree with even slightly. How can we even pretend to indulge in this argument? How many conversations have we had around this idea that engines cannot replace a coach? We have built some of the strongest engines. We know what the lines are. And none of those things can actually tell you what are the parts of your game that are going wrong and and where are the missteps in your thinking. I also think that there's something so important about the humanity of working with a chess coach that can actually really explore those layers of cognition and the thought and those processes beyond what move did you click. There are so many things happening beyond literally just what are the moves being played on the board that I don't really understand how you're going to argue that AI or technology could capture. I also really love that someone pointed out and commented, what about this idea of accountability and the idea that when we're working with a person, there's also something about that relationship that motivates us, that keeps us invested in the game? Like, What about all those social components of chess? There's so much loss. This is the most reductive thing incorrectly that I've seen in a long time. I wish I could articulate myself better right now. I have more to say about it. I'm not doing a very good job, but...
1: Julia, that was perfect. However, as perfect as it was, it was also flawed because it was biased, because you're speaking from the perspective of a human being. So to get here, the other side, I just asked ChatGBT, can computers do a better job at teaching chess than humans? And it says, yes, computers can do a better job at teaching (laughs) chess than humans because they can analyze large amounts of data and make highly accurate predictions. They can also play chess at a much higher level than most humans and can provide detailed analysis of a person's game to help them improve. Additionally, computer programs can adjust to an individual skill level and provide customized lessons and exercises. However, (laughs) computers lack the ability to provide feedback and guidance based on the student's emotions and physicality, which humans can do. (laughs) so it agrees with you but i think you kind of downplayed that they can play chess better than most humans
0: but why can't we just so instantly shit on that then if you have a human chess coach they have access to technology so now they can use that to analyze the data to look at your chess moves they can turn an engine on and then they can also you know individualize customize and really bring in the nuance of a human being that is capable of different layers of thought and emotional expression.
1: I mean, I completely agree with that.
0: I'm a human and a computer because I'm a human who has a computer. Fuck you, David.
1: <clears throat> yeah, fuck you, David. Well, I also asked ChatGPT to do some other things that uh, are typically only done by humans to see if they can do it better. And what it came up with was she pawned on my night till I checkmated.
0: <laughs> God, you're so stupid.
1: Okay, here's what I understand. Lots of things have been automated. Lots of things that previously we thought were far too complicated for an automated system to do, we've developed automated systems that can do. Sure. Why can't something like teaching chess be one of those? And maybe at a certain level, I can see a world, I don't know how far, how far off it is, where especially for beginners, if you get a hundred exercises wrong, Or if you do 100 exercises and you get a lot of them wrong, it might be able to figure out, oh, okay. of the ones you're getting wrong, a lot of people around your level get things wrong when they don't look at every check. Here's one where you got it right when there was only one check to consider. You got it wrong when there is another check and can kind of tell you probabilistically you need to look for checks. I believe we could create neural nets that can not only tell you you made the wrong move, but figure out what was it based on your skill level and the features of this particular position. What you probably did wrong and what your mistakes were. And I I could see that being really exciting. And I believe in that for sure. But I want to even put on hold the stuff about emotions, where even Chat GPT agrees with you that humans can be good at that. And I just don't think that chess is clear enough to where the more abstract decision making can be taught, let alone articulated by AI. So telling somebody, here's why you made this concrete mistake. Or this; these are the things you should be doing to fix those concrete mistakes. Okay, yeah. Maybe that could eventually be outsourced. Okay, cool. Now you don't need someone who knows how to play chess at every school after school program because a robot can do that. And now you have chess in every school and it's a lot cheaper and easier and more accessible. Okay, awesome. That's not going to be what happens, but I like that idea. I know,
0: but yeah.
1: No one's going to like it because, but all their teachers, but maybe all their teachers are going to be robots.
0: Great. Mm -hmm. Then why can't we expand that? And why don't we teach everything with a robot? All of the reasons that you feel that aversion to your second grader going to an elementary school and being taught by AI, all the reasons that we kind of intuitively know that something is going to be lost there, that something is problematic with that, would also apply to chess. And if you need me to explain that and really break that down, we we can do that. But don't we all kind of have that gut reaction and understand why that's problematic?
1: I really do not know whether Neil does, but I do think that you're speaking for the majority here. I think also, to me, the thought of thinking about AI teaching good chess players at a point where AI is so far away from doing something like articulating its reasoning makes me wonder how the hell it's going to ever be able to figure out what human reasoning or lack thereof is and then make
0: it more effective. Yeah. And I was trying to sort of get at how there are all of these just almost infinitely complicated aspects of human cognition and layers of thought that are going to get lost when we are trying to use something reductive like an algorithm. And I guess we could have another sort of theoretical conversation about could AI ever get advanced enough and more complicated enough that it could start to capture some of those things. Um, And that's why I wanted to add in the additional point that There's something so important about that humanity and teaching beyond just the ability to communicate Mm. abstract thought.
1: Yeah, yeah, completely. And and I think there, yeah, because the AI might have a perfect picture of like your pros and cons, your strengths and weaknesses as a chess player, but might not get from that anything like the insight into your psychology for understanding what situations bring out these strengths versus weaknesses based on who you are as a human being. Totally. Similar Thanks. point from at Upsonics. The best investment a player can make is a coach.
0: <laughs> oh my god, I just totally agree. And I and I just want to add to this conversation also like my own experience of I spent a lot of time learning chess and doing everything on my own and Mm -hmm. there's so much you can do. I actually think it would have been a big mistake for me to get excited about chess day one of the pandemic and be like, great, I'm getting a chess coach. That actually probably would have been a waste. There's such a steep learning curve and there is so much you can do without a coach. And then I definitely hit the point where it's almost like if I just keep doing more of what I've been doing and what I'm almost capable of knowing there is for me to do, I wasn't getting any better. I Mm -hmm. really needed that outside perspective of someone to say, hey, you don't know what you don't know. There are flaws in your thinking that you can't even comprehend. So you wouldn't even be able to use the available technology to get better in this way. So let me tell you what those things are. And then I got a chess coach. I got the cheapest one I could find. I literally just went for the bottom of the barrel. Like, let me just get anything out there. And that person actually was able to help me a little bit.
1: And his name was Nigel Short.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the horse's name was Friday.
1: (laughs) And I think what somebody like Neil would say to that is yes, and that all sounds wonderful. All I'm saying is that in 30 years, technology will be at the point where it will be able to figure out what you don't know and what you need to see to know it. And what I hear you saying is, no, some of it was actually the connection with another human being showing me these things. And it wasn't just that. There is technology that was showing me the most perfectly curated examples.
0: Yeah. One million percent. I do think it's an interesting thought experiment to say something similar. Like, Could AI replace therapy, what I do, and come up with the perfect things to say. Um, And I've never felt more confidently in my life, not a fucking chance, not a chance.
1: And if they can't replace therapy, then what chance do they have for something like chess?
0: Yeah, I know. Something so rich and evocative, (laughs) a beautiful expression of all that it means to be human.
1: I think that the closest... When, or one analogy I was thinking would be how algorithms have gotten really good in things like music or YouTube videos or something. And the more it knows about you and your habits, the more the algorithm is able to predict other things that you'll like or find interesting, et cetera. And I, I totally think there's a lot of room for that sort of algorithm when it comes to giving you games to study. And quote unquote, suggesting you games based on your likes, but also your playing style and being like review these next focus on these themes. I could totally see that being something within the realm of an algorithm, but also much like the algorithms for things like Spotify, A, they'll be wrong sometimes, but B, a lot of the way they work, and I know we've talked about this before, isn't by actually predicting your tastes and helping them grow, but by kind of shrinking them into the yes. most atomized thing. And which is probably why you'll end up, you know, oh, you're a sacrificial player. So here's yet another batch of a thousand games with brilliant sacrifices because it's easier to run a search for games that win with a sacrifice than it is to talk about the nuances of why not every tall like sacrifice is worth playing. And so I think that's one risk. And that also goes back to the first thing Julia said, which was really the only point that needed to be made, which was chess coaches will have computers too. So isn't (laughs) it more about using the technology than having it? Like if I had a search algorithm where I could put in all the input, all the data of my students' games and have it suggest which of all the millions of games that have been played and an opening they play with a theme that I want to talk about that reach an end game these are the ones that best track their playing style if an algorithm could show me that that's amazing and then i could pick which of those i actually agree with that on and i could pick which of those i think would be the the ones that would make the most sense pedagogically but that would cut down my workload astronomically and make me a much better teacher much like I'm a much better teacher when I have access to a database to find all these games versus when all I have are whatever chess books I have or whatever games i memorize. Like technology will make you a better coach, but that's very different than saying it can just replace it.
0: Exactly. The enormous number of factors are going to play a really important role in what makes someone a better chess player. I mean, it's like I almost can't even begin to express how complicated something like that might be. So when we're thinking about things like motivation, what keeps someone coming back, we already kind of touched on the emotional components, the social components, all of those go right out the window. So if you're going to make the argument, well, fine, then maybe the AI can get complex enough where it really could begin to establish maybe the person at the chessboard is upset because they lost three games in a row. So I need to communicate something to actually like do some of that emotional connection in order to actually improve their ability to engage with chess. We can add all these different layers of complication, but essentially you're saying I'm just trying to get the AI closer and closer to being a human being. Okay, well, we already have one Mm -hmm. of those.
1: We have a lot of those. We have billions And and,
0: and if you think that you can replicate that with the machine, well, good luck. And if you have something that's a perfect replica, then you've just made a human with a computer, and we already have that. So I'm just not interested. Do
1: you, I have one more thought, but do you want to move on?
0: No, I always want to hear your
1: thought. I, another way of reading Mr. Bruce is... The first thing he says is you don't need a human chess coach to get better at chess. Okay, sure. But that's compatible with a human chess coach helping you get much better, much faster. The other part, over the next 30 years, human human chess coaches will be phased out by technology.
0: chance. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had the reaction all over again. Okay, so
1: here's, here's what I'm thinking of. I don't think Neil has any judgment over whether this is good or bad, or maybe he actually thinks this is good. But here's a different claim. Over the next 30 years, human chess coaches will be phased out by technology it's a bad thing, but it's going to happen because there's just going oh. to be s- such a proliferation of good enough, acceptable enough AI based coaching programs that th- hiring a chess coach will be a super luxury. I was thinking about this because of the analogy I was just drawing with like algorithms for music. You don't really have radio DJs anymore. You barely have you know, people making playlist mixes, et cetera, not because they're not way better at curating stuff that's really personal, thoughtful, and original than the algorithm is, but because the algorithm does a good enough job for most people who don't really care about it being the best possible thing, that it's very yeah. hard to get a job and justify hiring somebody to curate music for your radio station that's mostly being used as background noise
0: okay i i hear you and yes maybe for most people in a lot of contexts but my initial reaction just from my own experience is like sure but who who that actually likes music mm-hmm. maybe more than the average person but who that actually loves music is just happy with the algorithm and the curation I mean, who hasn't gotten so sick of something like Pandora? No one uses that anymore. Even Spotify, which has great algorithms for discovering music, great. But who doesn't supplement that with talking to their friends about music, making their own playlists, discovering music on their own?
1: Yeah, but you're talking about the the real, the real music heads. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. So I mean, fine. I agree that things are moving towards automation. And things are going in that direction, maybe in ways that are good ways. Like I, I discover a lot more music because those algorithms exist. But it's kind of what we were speaking to in the context of chess: this difference between using those in a synergistic way or in a supplementary way versus saying this will make something totally obsolete and it will phase out the human role. So, just one example I'll give is: I don't know anyone who's had a wedding where they said, "Great, I'm going to use technology and Google and get a wedding playlist." There's really something about having a DJ who can read the room, who can feel the energy, and who can make those subtle distinctions and kind of get a feel for like, okay, what are people liking more of, less of, changing the volume based on what's going on? There's so many different layers that come from having a human DJ. So I understand what you're saying. There's all these contexts where like actually it is shifting in that direction. But I'm just going to continue to argue there's also contexts in which having that person in the room makes such an astronomical difference.
1: Yeah. Oh, and I, to be clear, I agree with you that it makes a difference. And so that's why the point I was trying to make was that as the technology becomes more and more common, there, even though it still makes a difference and can make such a difference, there might end up being fewer contexts where people splurge for it. Or fewer contexts where there are, like, what, like, how many, how many, like, there might be more people really into chess that are phrasing things exactly the way Neil did here. You don't need a human chess coach to get better at chess. Okay. But he's not even talking about getting better. Yeah,
0: that's already true.
1: That's true. But like, okay, but do you need a human chess coach to figure out what your ceiling is? Do you need a human chess coach to have as much fun as you can, to connect, to be held accountable, all these things? He's literally just framing, looking at it from this point of, if I want to get better, I don't need to pay a human being. And what scares me is just how many people might have this similar reaction of, yeah, my demand with my dollar is just for something that gets me better. And the more better it can get me, without having to make me vulnerable and accountable to another human being, the better. And the more of that ha- that happens, the harder it is to make a career out of being a chess coach without suddenly only being able to play weddings because it's the only remaining context where people care about having a DJ in the room to mix metaphors. I'm not saying this is good. I'm saying this is extremely bad. I'm just saying the more people there are who don't care enough, but still like the idea of getting better at chess, the more demand there will be for this kind of AI coaching.
0: I totally agree with that. And I can see the ways that that's happening in our social landscape and in our culture today in areas with chess or even outside of chess. And I also just feel so adamantly that it doesn't work. It doesn't replace the thing it's trying to replace. And there tends to be a lash back or a bounce back in the culture. So we can think about, for example, our food landscape and how many things we're becoming automated. And essentially, they were saying microwaves are going to replace all forms of cooking. Look how great this is. Look at all these things that we can automate and make faster and make better and improve with technology. And then over and over again, in more recent history, I think we really are seeing almost this counterculture and a real emphasis of like, hey, actually, these traditional practices, the slow way of doing things, it's a very humane way of doing things it has a lot of advantages that we've totally overlooked by trying to automate. So, I think that, that is a broader phenomenon that will also appear in the chess space.
1: I agree. <laughs> Segue on the slow way of doing things. OSU Marco says, Blitz and bullet aren't real chess.
0: Of course, they are.
1: What about the slow way of doing things?
0: It is slow. Bullet is slow. He didn't say hyper bullet. Hyper bullet's <laughs> not chess.
1: <laughs> okay, good.
0: You're going to tell me two-minute chess isn't slow as fuck? Nah, that's slow enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, anybody who's ever said that two minutes isn't slow enough to do anything is lying to you.
0: I know that two minutes is slow because if I blunder a piece, I don't have that hope in my heart that I can just dirty flag a win. That's my litmus test.
1: Friend of the pod, Kenneth says that we should scrap separate rapid blitz and classical ratings. We should just all have <laughs> one rating and one champion, too, while we're at it.
0: That's hilarious, but idiotic.
1: It's all real chess, right, Julia?
0: <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's all real chess. That doesn't mean it's identical chess.
1: I mean, I feel this way, but I also feel this way about running. Like, I don't really like whether you run the 100-meter dash or a marathon. Thank
0: you. Perfect analogy.
1: Actually, let's just make it a little bigger. Athlete.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I know how big I know, but it's true. It, uh, yeah. Do you run the 100 meter or are you a marathon runner? Like, this is so idiotic.
1: But there, there, I mean, I think that there is an interesting skill to be valued of. I guess I'm like theoretically interested in who is the best sprinter who's also really good at distance running or who's the best distance runner that's also yeah. a really good sprinter. Like, yeah, that's interesting. And I like the idea of maybe being able to measure somebody who's able to do those sorts of things. Um, but no, they're 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 different. they're different skills. Um, now, should there be one champion who has to be the aggregate best? I mean, I think something that could be interesting there is just this idea that you have to be able to switch between a bunch of different skills, but you don't necessarily have to be the absolute best at any one of them. That's an interesting sort of value,
0: but this doesn't require that. You could just be the person who's so amazing at blitz.
1: Mm.
0: You actually don't have to play the other things. You just keep playing so much blitz and you get above 2850 and now you're the best. I don't know.
1: Name one Hikaru Nakamura who's that's true.
0: (laughs) Exactly. See, it sounds like that comment is coming from someone who is really good at speed chess and just clicking the pieces randomly and dirty flagging and wants to be validated. So while I have already validated them by confirming that it is real chess, as long as we're not in hyper bullet territory, you also probably should get better at real chess.
1: I love that you said that because I have taught Kenneth and I'm not sure I've ever seen him make a move in faster than a minute.
0: (laughs) Oh, maybe it's the opposite then. They're good at slow chess and they... Are tired of feeling like they can't do the other stuff. I don't know. He, They're just trying to conflate things that should not be conflated.
1: He, he knows that his preferred form of chess is being phased out and is trying to sneak back in via a compromise before <laughs> okay. rendered obsolete.
0: There you go. You've convinced me.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? You are listening to the Chess Fields Podcast, and this is your AI podcast DJ, not a human DJ here to let you know that part one of the Chess Fields Convince Me episode is over. JJ and Julia will be taking a break to practice their little end games or eat lasagna or whatever it is they do, so you all can just sit back and chill, and they will be back for part two of Convince Me next week. Peace. As always, thank you for letting us take you into this deep, dark forest.
0: where 2 plus 2 equals 5, and the path leading out is only wide enough for listeners like you.
1: Intro and outro music provided by JPEG Mafia.
0: We would be truly touched if you subscribe and leave us a glowing review.
1: And tell all of your friends.
0: (laughs) Yeah, all of them.
1: And every week, we'll be gifting one lucky subscriber who leaves a five-star review a lifetime premium diamond membership to LeechS.org.
0: Unlocking all of their features. Even that? Especially that, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter One. at ChessFeelsPod.
1: Oh, and if you didn't like what you heard, do not hesitate yeah. to message any feedback,
0: no matter how critical or scathing,
1: directly to Mr. Dodgy, our social media manager. Even though he doesn't know it, that <laughs> chess problem. One. Yeah.